Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It is Monday, February 5th. Fifth, this is episode 73. I'm Matt Roy, joined by Don Harris, Chuck McAtinick, for people who don't know, and this might be your first time. Chuck, or Chuck, been here for 30 years or so, and Don been here like 34 years. So we're, we're all just a big happy family. Here. We're old. Ich bin alt. I've, yeah, and I'm on like two. So here we go. Uh, number 73, we always start with our number game. Um, because we are on episode 73, we will... Emphasize number 73, when I think of 73 in sports history, I always just think of Barry Bonds and the home run record. Even though it might be, ta- it might be tainted, might be being the relative might term, um, it is tainted. However, whenever I think of the number 73, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Tainted or not, the greatest single hitting exhibition for an entire season ever known to man and will probably... Because it was probably tainted, never be replicated again. Yeah, I mean that was one. Of, that's one of my first like core sports memories. Is like oh one Barry Bonds hitting seventy three home runs, and it was just one disgusting. of the things that I remember the most. <laughs> we'll get into a. It was disgusting, is what it was. We'll get into a steroid conversation at some point this summer. I'm sure when we have some downtime and we don't have a lot. Think of, of Larry Allen. Yeah. The Hall of Famer. Now Ralph Neely was a great cowboy who also wore seventy three, but Larry Allen surpassed him. Many, many uh, times over, including the the great rundown on the interception return on Monday Night Football against the Saints, where he 350 pounds chasing down a corner that was thought he had a pick six. Yep, I mean Larry Allen, one of the best offensive guard or offensive linemen of all time, probably in the upper Without upper echelon of them. From just answer the question, you know, Larry, you know, you know I don't know. I want to say somewhere mid Atlantic. West Coast. Oh, really? Sacramento State? You're in the ballpark. Fresno State. Sonoma State. Sonoma State. You could have given me three hours. I wouldn't have guessed Sonoma State. Uh, Mainly because I didn't the know that last, existed. Probably the last of the great Gilbrandt diamond in the rough finds. Sam, RIP Gilbrandt. Amen. Um, Good man. Number other seventy three is Joe Thomas and Marshall Yanda, two of the best offensive linemen of my era, at least. Uh, Joe Thomas. Probably very uh, – he's going to walk into the Hall of Fame and probably one of uh, Cyber Bob's uh, favorite players of all time, the, the Browns fan that yeah. he is. Joe Klecko one of, just went into the Hall of Fame, another good offensive lineman. And then Dennis Rodman, I don't even know if you knew this. He's the defensive only player – def- Sorry, defensive lineman. One of the best uh, uh, rebounders of all time, Dennis Rodman. He was the only player ever to wear 73. He wore it for one season after his stint with the Bulls with the Lakers. So. We were just talking about him last night and all the fun we had when he was here in terms of chasing and that staking season. out. And the, remember the whole Madonna thing? Wasn't, uh, it like half a, wasn't it like half a season that he was here? No, it was longer than that. It was longer than it that. It seemed like right after the day he walked in the door till the day he left, he was a nightmare. Right after the Pistons, right? He was between Pistons and Bulls, and then the Bulls traded for him. 
Yeah, the Bulls got him from San Antonio. The weird thing was is that he was really, really friendly and really nice if you could get him to talk. But other than that, it was a three-ring circus, pretty much 24 and 7. They had so much trouble with him, right? Avery hated his guts because he was such a distraction. That team, that was the team that finished with the best record in the NBA, should have won the championship, lost the first two games of the Western Conference Finals at home to Houston, then went and won the next two in that great series where Akeem Olajuwon beat up on David Robinson. But leading up to that series, Dennis was such a nightmare with Madonna in Utah. She was all, all the different problems that he had. The motorcycle was it a wreck, or he got pulled over, or whatever. We get called at three o'clock in the morning that he was being magistrate's office. All this stuff chasing him. And I'll never forget. I can tell this story now. I think uh, Bob Hill was the coach. Pop was the GM. And it's Game Six in Houston, pregame. I'm doing my five and six o'clock live shots, and I'm on the court. Pop is sitting on like the second row behind the basket. Nobody's in the gym hardly, except people warming up. So I go over and sit down, and I'm I'm sitting there talking with Pop before the six o'clock live shot, whatever. And no matter how this series is going to turn out, I just decided to ask Pop. I said, "So, is it safe to say, you know, based on what Avery had told me about, you know, how he hated his guts, what a distraction he was?" I said, "Is it safe to say?" that Dennis isn't going to come back next year. And Pop goes, Donnie, mortgage the bleeping house. <laughs> I, I, that's a oh, good one. That 95? Yeah, that was one of the Michael <laughs> absent years, right? That was one of the years that Houston won the championship. That's right. And I just remember Bob Hill telling a story of Dennis missing a playoff game. And coming to him and saying, Bob, I can't play tonight. Oh, yeah, Dennis, why? Because I had a certain part of my body pierced and it got infected. <laughs> that was Dennis. I mean, that's, that's what we were dealing with. You think we were dealing with that stuff just from the outside. Can you imagine dealing with this, a playoff game, and he comes to you with that? And I won't repeat what the body part was. I think we can all I guess. Think we I think we can all guess. Yeah. Uh, the type of stories you only get on sneakers and cleats, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Absolutely. All right. Also in 1973, Dolphins beat the Redskins to cap off their undefeated season. O.J. Simpson became the first player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards. Since that was has been, a big deal. Been beat a couple times. He was also the American Sportsman of the Year, I believe, uh, Male Athlete of the Year that year. Uh, and the Major League Baseball instituted the designated hitter in the American League for the first time. Ron Blomberg was the first player ever to take an at-bat as a DH. He walked with the bases loaded and got an RBI. Never so. had his card. No? Ne- I'd never heard the name before I started looking it up today. So, uh, Alright, let's get to some actual action. We got some football to talk about. A lot of coaching changes uh, in the NFC East that are going to make everything, as Don would say, juicy. And um, Devin Vassell, I want to get to first. We got a lot to talk about with the Spurs. They're about to go on their rodeo road trip and all that stuff. But I want to talk about Devin Vassell first. Friday night was really disturbing. Um, disturbing is probably not the right term to use, but disturbing in terms of basketball. When you see that uh, the Spurs were up on the Pelicans pretty much the entire game, then they go down a little bit in the third as they normally do. They storm back. They take a six-point lead in the fourth quarter, and then they go down by one with just about four seconds left. And the play that they run to try and win the game is designed to go to Victor Wembanyama. He's wide open, cutting to the basket off a pick and roll. And instead, Devin Vassell takes a 30-footer and clanks off the rim, and they lose the game. 
and you went off on Twitter, Don, and I know that I had similar feelings that you did. What was going through your head when you saw Devin Vassell take that shot? It wasn't it wasn't the shot, you know, it was the post game when he I wanted to hear what he was gonna say afterwards. And first of all, we heard Pop when asked point blank by Tom Orsborne about the the play. He drew up a pick and roll with Wimby rolling, and he Tom said, Is that the shot you want you wanted? And Pop goes, Well, yeah, because he wasn't gonna throw the cell down the under the bus and he goes and he caught himself and went well we'd like to throw it to the rim and dunk it but that's the shot we got so okay so pop didn't like the shot so i looked at the i looked at the replay again he's wide open wide wide open and devin forced the shot so devin says what this is what bothered me devin says yeah he called the the play where me and Vic were supposed to play off each other, but my defender uh, backed off, and I had a good look at it, and I take it every time. Okay, you take that shot every time. It was really deep, and he had he had had a good game. It was he a thirty footer. It was it was Give contested. Her. The guy did not back off. Vic was wide open, and it just goes back to my theory all along that Devin sees himself as option one. And it's because he's a young player like Wimby. David David and Tim never had to worry about this because they had veteran guys that were older who were agreeing, like David Robinson, I'm no longer option one. We have this guy, Duncan, who's better than me. And the Spurs haven't had that with Devin defer to Wimby. He still sees himself as the alpha dog. It's like that come-to-Jesus moment that he needs. I think so. So he sees himself as the Batman. That's why on here I put Robin or Joker. Because right now it seems like he's playing the Joker role. Like he's not playing off of Wemby. It's like it's like two plus two equals or three plus three plus three equals six instead of three times three equals nine. You know what I mean? They're not getting to the full potential because they're not multiplying each other's talents. They're almost just adding to each other. They've taken a step forward. Devin Devin does run pick and roll good with Wemby a lot of times now. He threw him a great alley oop earlier in the game. On the same type of play, it's a baby step, but it's not as fast as we like, I don't think. But the point is, like Trey Jones would have passed that ball. Trey Jones would have thrown to, of thrown to the rim. But and, Trey took th- the last three shots. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. So the game before that one, Trey took, driving into traffic, got one of them blocked, got fouled on one. Made one of them. But he had Wimby on all three of those. This is part of the maturation, I think, of a young team, right? Who's the guy making most of the money on that team? Devin. Not right now, actually. That Wemby makes more than him this season. Well, no. who's the guy that's... He does. Oh, okay. Really? A yeah. rookie contract? Yeah, he's making twelve million a year right now, and Devin's only making six because he but, was a later pick. But, but Devin's his extension is Devin's trying to year. honor or figure out ways to honor the money that's being paid to him. Which, by comparison to everybody else on the team, this is why they're paying you the money, right? To go win ball games in situations like that. So I think there's some of that, and probably over time he'll figure it out. Yeah, and but minus this play, Devin takes. 
I would bet with all these advanced analytics, I would bet Devin Vassell is near the top of the NBA in taking contested shots, hard contested shots. Makes a lot of them too. Well, okay, he takes a lot of bad shots. He does, and I would I wouldn't be surprised if like if he doesn't if he isn't able to kind of put his ego aside and I don't know if this is what it is, but kind of put his um, his own talent and what he thinks he can do aside and, and acknowledge that Wemby is the number one pick, that Wemby is going to be the best player in this league sooner rather than later. If he can't do that, he's going to be gone sooner rather than later. I think that's fair. Yeah. But I think, again, this is something that's going to take place over time. Right now, it does look like Devin is trying to force himself on the game as opposed to letting the game come to him. And maybe that's what's being required. I don't know if it is or isn't. But it does look at times like he's the piece that doesn't quite fit with what's going on. Not all the time, but again, I think this time. is just part of what they're going to have to try to figure out going forward. And I'll I, say it. I've said it once. I'll say it again. It's easier to watch now than it was. It's still not great, but it sure as hell yeah. is a lot better than what we saw the first six weeks. It is, and seeing seeing a game with the Pelicans come down to the wire like that, I, I was on the edge of my seat while I was sitting there cutting highlights and stuff, just seeing who was actually going to win that game, and it was a really good high quality basketball game to see them lose those types of games though. Like it just, it tells you, it like brings you back to reality showing you exactly where this team is and where they still need to go. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they were up three with 40 something seconds left and, and, and uh, Zion gets two layups. Uh, so they and they didn't get a good possession down the stretch, but going back to the whole Devin thing real quick, two things. Also, I I'm, I'm just curious to know, Right, because you're a rookie, no matter how good you are as Wimby, does it make it impossible for you to grab a Devin after a play like that and say, "Look, dude, throw me the ball. I'm cutting to the bat. I'm wide open." Like Tim never had to do that because everybody did it automatically. Because if they didn't, Avery or Sean would say to the other one, "Look, dude, throw him the ball." Or that's Pop a, would sit you for a month. Well, that, well that's also, but that also, that's also the question: Is it on Pop to do that as well? But that's what I was going to say. It's interesting because these guys are so young. Unlike an Avery or a Sean Pop, that Pop would feel comfortable doing that to a vet. These guys are so young. Maybe you want to encourage their ambition to be. You, you still want to en- encourage Devin to be a great player and try to be an All Star, but at the same time. <clears throat> in the team concept. So I don't know. I don't – and also it's it's changed. We've talked about this before. It's changed over the years that, you know, coaching guys hard now just might alienate them and they shut down and you have to run them off. I guess. I mean, you the 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 goal here is to look like Oklahoma City does, though, with a Shea Gilgis being maybe a Devin and a Chet being Wemby and, you know, the roles might be reversed there a little Devin bit. Devin is not Shea Gilgis. I, I understand, but I'm saying, like, those types of roles, like you want those two budding superstars, you want those two guys built from the ground up in your organization, and that's kind of the – looks like the model that the Spurs are trying to go off of, but it, it's almost like these guys just don't mesh. There's, there's things on the court that happen with the Spurs that just – Something doesn't feel right with, certain, with certain lineups. Their best playmaker, the guy who feels the game the best, is addition, no, is Wimby. Well, besides, I was staying besides Wimby. Like, Wimby has a point guard mentality. Yeah. And he's probably thinking, if I had one guy who plays like I play, who thinks like I think, of finding open guys. I mean, Wimby finds guys 
no looks. Yeah, sometimes to his own detriment, right? Passes yeah. up things, and sometimes that's beneficial for the group too. I mean, giving a guy confidence or because it is technically a better shot. I mean, again, it's just all part of trying to figure it all out. But it is, for the most part, night to night, you see things that we haven't seen here before. The the three players on the current roster right now that I think fit the best with Wemby are two of them probably aren't even going to be here on Friday, which is Doug McDermott, Trey, and uh, Kelton Johnson. I think those three fit the best because their egos are the smallest and they can they kind of know their roles. But then you still have Jeremy who's feeling out the league entirely, his randomness is kind of an art form when it comes to how good he's going to be and or how bad he's going to be on a given night and then you have Devin who's still learning how to play in the league he's still within his first five years hasn't even kicked into a second contract he's still learning if he's going to be a Batman a Robin or maybe even a third guy like a Chris Middleton is so you have all these different different aspects and right now I don't know who's going to fit with them but I feel like those three players fit the best if the Spurs are going to be good Devin's going to be the number three guy tops yeah, he's a he's he's Chris Middleton in my head. He's Chris Middleton. He can be. He could in be. Art, yeah, yeah. So. But they what we saw the next night was what they need. That's a Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, for sure. They need or, they need another yeah, star. Jared Allen too. That oh, guy. Yeah. I mean, oh. that guy had a double double by halftime. I mean, you talk about underrated dudes. Totally. Let me get yeah. off on a small tangent real quick. Donovan Mitchell getting up in someone's face like Zach Collins after he accidentally hit him with an elbow. I hate when you see somebody. That was next. It was totally accidental. It was payback. But still, okay, no, even if it was on purpose, I hate when you see somebody Zach go Jimmy. up, you go up, you push him, and then you're like, what, what, what? And then you just start backing up. You're like, hold me back, hold me back. If you're going to push someone, go push them. Go go get in their face. But he's just like pushing them. He's like, yeah, yeah, guys, hold me back. What a wuss. Look, uh, Zach is very chippy. If, if you're on the other side, you call him dirty. Like, in San Antonio, we were so afraid to call Bruce Bowen dirty for so many years. Bruce was dirty. Zach's dirty. I, but see, it's okay. I look at this. Like it's it. crafty. It's, I like it. It's, I like yeah, it. Is it dirty crafty. or crafty? It's a crafty bow. It's a crafty bow. You want him on yep. your team. I, yep. just, that just bugs the crap out of me. When someone goes up and pushes them, and it's just like, you know what? That's all I need, really wanted to do is just make a little bit of a scene. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to the trade deadline. Trade deadline. Mitchell doesn't want any of that. Trade deadline's on Thursday. By the time we talk on Thursday, I believe it will have already passed or it will be passing at very close to when we record on Thursday. So uh, let's talk about who we think should be gone who and who we think will be gone. In my opinion, Doug McDermott's as good as done. Uh, he talked a little bit about it today. He wants to stay in uh, San Antonio, but he's got an expiring contract. Everybody needs sharpshooters, especially on expiring contracts. And so I could see him being traded uh, by Thursday's deadline 100%. Agreed. He has a, a reasonable contract, and, and, a, and a contender could really use his three-point shooting. And yep. if he's not coming back, the Spurs will move him now. But they may have they may have plans for him down the road, depending. I mean, you're not going to just take a, some random second-rounder for Doug. I don't know uh, if they have plans for him going forward. But he, he's very much very much in that Jake Jakob Pertl yeah. Range. Yeah, you have to believe in this day and age that somebody that's going to get traded is somebody who's in the rotation, right? Teams don't necessarily trade for the 10th or 11th or 12th guy on the bench anymore. So I think if anybody's to go, it's probably McDermott. And again, even if it's not a contending team, who wouldn't want that guy yeah. on your team? Plays I mean, the right way, plays like a coach in his head, You know, probably would have some pearls of wisdom for younger players that want to learn about how to play the game the right way. 
Yeah, and my only concern with trading McDermott is that last aspect of it. Like, you're trading the oldest guy on your team. What is this? This is basically going to be a preschool class if they trade Doug McDermott. No one else has any experience on the entire roster. So, and he's been really good with these young guys. He has been. And yeah. so that's the only – That's like I said, that's the only thing I'm really concerned about if they trade him. Uh, the other guys I could see them trading, Devontae Graham. Yeah. Um, uh, Chetty. Chetty Osman they might trade. I think the wild card there is trading Keldon. And here's why. Um, I think Keldon, like I said, plays really well with Wemby, and I think they're really good friends. I think, he, and uh, he's great in the community. He's great yep. with uh, with everything. He's everything you want in a basketball player. He does. He keeps his nose clean. He works his ass off. He's just. I think he could get the most return out of For all those sure. guys. He better get. Yeah. I mean, he's he's also the second highest paid player on this team. Um, actually, he might be the highest paid player right now, but. Next year, he would be the second highest paid player. I, I could see moving. I don't want him I, to, but I could see them you're moving. You're not going to get a Kelvin. first round pick for him. Yeah, you would. You'd, you get, a, you'd get it in a couple of years. You'd, they'd throw you like a 2027 20, first or something like that. I would like to see. I mean, I don't want to see Keldon traded, but if you moved him, I think you could move him for an. Uh, just position for that point guard that sees the you know that sees everybody. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Um, that's not an all-star, but a, a decent player. If somebody needs a little physical toughness and wants to trade for somebody like like Keldon, do they have a point guard that's maybe their second team or that's, that the Spurs could use in the future as a backup? That's what I was going to ask. Do you, do you see the, the, the Spurs maybe acquiring somebody, whether that's a backup, whether that's someone that might be a rotation player next year, whether that's someone who might be in the starting conversation for next year, or is it just kind of expiring contracts only, let's get them off the books and rebuild in the offseason? I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, They've I got can't... a plan, but it's so far it's been pretty secretive because they're not they're not anxious to pull the trigger. And and really, as frustrated as we all are wanting them to win, it's probably the smart move. Wimby's not ready to win yet. Uh, th- these guys are so young. So, Sohan's not ready to win yet. They just hang on to those poker chips. Something's going to happen, just like it did with Phoenix when they were able to get Durant. There's going to be somebody somewhere, a Devin Booker. I keep using his name. I don't know why. I don't Trey know either. Young, I would love Devin Booker. <laughs> a, a Devin Booker, a Donovan Mitchell-type superstar is going to want out somewhere, and Wimby's going to be an appealing person to go play with, and Pop is going to be an appealing coach to go play for, and they're going to go, I'd go to San Antonio to play for Pop and Wimby. And it's Donovan Mitchell, and you have 13 picks. You have five number ones you can give them, and a Keldon Johnson or a Devin Vassell, and they go for it. Chuck? Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense at this point. I mean, what are you going to do, win five more games? I mean, what what literally does it matter at this yeah. point? Well, so why would you do anything to clog up your books? Yeah, it's building for next year. And then, the, I mean, the thing that we don't have to talk about here, obviously, because it's uh, – uh, Hasn't happened yet, but the the new collective bargaining agreement c- kicks into place this coming off season. So it's all these restrictions on like player movement and and uh, the amount of money that teams can take on, which is going to just destroy those Golden State Warriors and Lakers teams that like love adding in the off season, but now can't unless they 
just completely destroy their books in the coming years. So it's another thing for another day. But uh, rodeo road trip coming up. Since you two have been here a long time, I want to get your favorite rodeo road trip story. I don't know that any one in particular comes into mind, but you know, it used to be back when I was a kid, you'd go on a rodeo road, rodeo road trip for nine games and you'd be seven and two when you got back and the team was galvanized and it was a razor going forward towards the playoffs. Now, wouldn't you be happy if the Spurs got two out of those nine, nine yeah. wins? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be, to me, a huge victory I if they could they find a way. One year. Hmm? I think they went undefeated one year. I, mean, I wouldn't they, be surprised. I mean, but it was just automatic where you were thinking it was going to be seven and two every single time. It was, I mean, yeah. it was the month in the trip where they kind of dined together, came together, as Chuck said, and then marched. They'd go 16 and 0 or something. It was. Uh, uh, also on the rodeo road trip in Cleveland was the uh, the famous um, Avery Johnson Malik Rose fight where they tore out tore down the. I don't know why I don't remember that. Okay, quick story. It's not the butter for, knife, pe- for people who don't no. know in San Antonio, the Stock Show and Rodeo takes over the formerly AT and T Center now is the Frost Bank Center. Center, so the team can't play a home game for a month. So. so they lose on the road in Cleveland. Terry Porter is the backup point guard. Avery's the starter, but Porter's getting more minutes and had played more minutes. And and the media was led into the locker room after the game, and the whiteboard destroyed into 50 pieces on the ground, and people had heard a skirmish outside the door. And years later now, people tell the story. Sean Elliott tells the story is Avery went into the shower, and he was in there by himself, and he was basically just ranting this is my team. You know? I was really hoping you were going to do the you know, invitation. This, this ain't no Terry Porter's team. This is my team. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, Steve Kerr was looking at Terry Porter, and Steve Kerr was like looking at Malik, and he goes, "Somebody better go. T- somebody's got to shut him up." Like David, David's like, "I'm not talking to him." <laughs> so Malik goes and says, "Hey, man!" And Malik was always kind of Avery's thorn when, because Avery led and everybody followed, but Malik always thought Avery was just kind of he'd roll his eyes, Avery. And, whatever dude and so malik goes in there to shut avery up and avery attacks him just comes running at him and they start rolling around on the floor in the locker room butt naked i was i was about to ask is he still ass naked or what (laughs) and so five or six guys jump in all of a sudden there's these guys some dressed some not rolling around on the floor and it's a fight and the fight ends by sean saying hey Hold on, who's is on my leg? <laughs> Somebody's junk is on my leg, and the whole it broke up the whole fight because everybody starts dying laughing. <laughs> and that's the most famous rodeo road trip story. Oh, so we've got piercings, and then we have we've got story. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I was going to put all this in a book someday, oh. but. It's it's now it's immortalized forever. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, that's I don't classic. Even know to, you know what? I'm really glad I asked that question. Oh, I'm so I'm glad you told that story. I, needed, so I think I needed to hear that today. <laughs> what year was that? I don't remember. It was early 2000s. I have one, oh. did, we, did we ever find out who it was? No. <laughs> I don't think we want to know. All right. Anyway. <laughs> I don't really know where to go over I didn't let's, say it. Let's, let's put this on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's on All a right. podcast. 
podcast. It's on YouTube. It's not, it's not on broadcast. Uh, FCC, yeah, we'll be way. fine. Uh, <laughs> no. I don't know. YouTube bans for less. Uh, I'll click this the is not the clip you're going to put on Twitter. It's too. absolutely the clip no. I'm going to put on Twitter. <laughs> Oh. Uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to click the not for kids button on YouTube okay. when we post it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, some interesting coaching hires in the NFC East. Uh, real quick. So Dan Quinn, now the, the uh, head coach of the commanders, he hires Cliff Kingsbury, the former Texas Tech A&M and Houston coach to be his OC. He brought Joe Witt with him, who is the cornerbacks coach, DB's coach for Coach McCarthy in Green Bay for like nine years and then was the uh, a Cowboys coach for the last three. They got Kellen Moore in uh, in uh, Philadelphia. Still don't know who the D.C. is going to be, but it's really got a Cowboys feel all over the NFC East with the coaching. So having all these guys come visit Dallas once a year is going to be, as Don would say, juicy. Yeah, I mean – Cowboys haven't hired a DC yet, right? You no, have it's, Ron Rivera. It's Ron Rivera question mark, Mike Zimmer question mark. Those are the last two names yeah. I saw uh, in relation to the I think it's fun. Job. I think Kellen Moore, Cliff Kingsbury, Joe Witt, Dan Quinn, on your two biggest rivals in the division, that's going to be fun. Why not Belichick? I didn't hear you name Belichick. Throw Belichick. Not co- he's not coaching this year. But okay. I would. I just think it's really, really interesting. I can dream, can't I? You can. I mean, it would be endlessly entertaining. That's what it would be. You're damn right it would be. Uh, <laughs> but I just I just think that, like, having all these guys come back and, like, it's a whole Cowboys reunion almost that's going to make for some really interesting storylines, interesting headlines as we go into those games, especially when Washington comes here or we go to we go to Washington, we being the, the Cowboys. So I just think that, like, seeing all of those – uh, get to those destinations was really interesting, and it's going to make for some some uh, sweet games this year. Is it? Do you think that it's a, an advantage or disadvantage for anybody uh, having all those kind of? No, I mean they, they pretty much know. flip everything over year after year. I mean they'll change the verbiage and all that. They'll they'll junk it up a little bit to make it difficult. I mean, but they have to do that every year too because it is such an incestuous league in that regard. So yeah, probably maybe a little more than they've used to. Or had to have done in the past, but yeah, this is par for the course every year when you're starting over. Dan Quinn may have the advantage because he knows what Cl- Kellen runs and what McCarthy runs. Right. I mean, that, that. Dan Dan Quinn's whole staff is just cow- littered with Cowboys. So we're going to see who fills out the uh, DB's role and all the other ones. But I wouldn't be surprised if he took more people from Dallas to get there. Shout so. out to Cliff Unicorn getting another job. That's awesome. Yep. McCarthy's always talked highly about Cliff too, and then. You know, at the press conference today, Dan Quinn made mention that I hired him because I didn't like going up against him. I mean, he made it difficult when I was trying to stop the plays that he was calling. What he should have said is I hired him because he knows Caleb Williams and uh, Caleb Williams, and they have the number two pick, and they can easily get up to number one and draft Caleb I'm Williams. I'm sure that probably had something to do yeah, with it, but to little. think that that's the only reason why Cliff's sitting in that chair, I think, is Caleb, a little obtuse. Caleb Williams, the, the uh, went to... School in that area, high school in D.C. So did he really? Yeah, you never know. Let the speculation begin. I would love that. That would make it even more entertaining. Bring Caleb Williams to Washington and let's all have a damn good time. Well, you got to do something because I mean their offenses have been barely less than pedestrian over the last six years. I mean, they were the okay highest lot. they've they ever okay been is twenty third. Though they've never had higher than a twenty third ranked offense in the last six years. They also had Seth Howell or Sam Howell last year. So. All right, uh, that's all we got for you on this edition of the Secret Cleats Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday. Full Super Bowl preview while these guys are doing the Super Bowl of caring, pun intended. 
Uh, so we got a lot going on on Thursday, just six days away from the big game. Remember, download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy, unless you didn't like Don's story. That way, don't tell anybody. Uh, we'll see you right back here on Thursday. Until then, I'm everyone have a good what's going to happen when that gets out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be fine.